Welcome to the Zero to Five Million Dollar Podcast. I'm Sean Finder, and I'm with my co-host, Ollie Whitfield. This show is brought to you by AutoClose, a vanilla soft company. Ollie, why don't you introduce today's guest and what we're going to talk about today. Okay, folks, if you haven't heard the term building in public, I'm not sure where you spend your time if you look at Twitter and LinkedIn at all. Um, it's one of the hot things right now to be talking very candidly and transparently about how you're building a company or your software or your team, whatever it may be. And today's guest is one of the folks that does a very, very, very good job of doing that. So I'm going to stop right here and let Mr. Alex Ollie introduce himself. Brilliant. Hey guys, nice to, nice to be on here. Um, yeah, just a very simple introduction. I'm a, I'm a humble founder of a tech company, just trying to make my way in life. Um, yeah, I started Reach Desk back in 2018 with a couple of ex-colleagues of mine from a company called Yieldify. Really simple. We were struggling to get meetings with people, struggling to break through the noise, um, trying to do ABM, but doing it badly. And we, we solved our own problem. And here we are a couple of years later. There was, yeah, there was two of us in our bedrooms back then. And now there's nearly 80 of us. So it's, it's, it's grown quickly. And um, yeah, I think we're on, we're on the right path, hopefully. But, but let's see. That's pretty good growth, two to 80 in itself. So that's awesome. So can you tell us about what it was like being those two people in the bedroom? And then one thing I see quite a lot is founders, they're looking for that expert salesperson who's going to go from like one customer to 10 to 100. When and where did you get your first salesperson? How did it go? And uh, what kind of wisdom can you pass on from that experience? <laughs> yeah, good question. So... I mean, the, the beginning bit, you just you just scrap. Right? You do whatever it takes to get your first customers in. Um, for me, at the time, I just walked around every conference in London that I could go to, and I just spoke to as many people as possible. Luckily for us, we sell to sales and marketing people. So the the, the first port of call was just like conferences and trade shows, and I would just go up to all the booths and I'd let them pitch me. But I'd just be really honest and say, "Hey, look." I'm here to pitch you. I'm just out of the business. I want your feedback. And most of the time they're like, yeah, fine. Fair enough. At least you've been honest about it. So at the beginning, you just raid as much free stuff as possible. Get feedback, ask about ideas, get your first customers on board. And then you, you see there's perhaps a bit of traction. You never really know this whole product market fit thing. You don't really find out until much later on. But yeah, you just you, you start to gauge the, the industry perception of it. And then you think, right, we need to hire... A salesperson to, to to help start to scale this. I've always tested for five things in sales, so five like must-haves. You got to be curious, and not just like, am I asking questions? You got to be looking for new things to test and not be afraid to do so. Right? You have to be coachable, and it's really easy to test in the sales process. Just do a mock, give them feedback on the spot, make them do it again, see how they did. If they did a really good job, then they're probably coachable, but you do that throughout the process of hiring. They have to be intelligent. So it's so it is actually very easy to test this, but don't make it corny and make them do written tests or anything. We do the the toilet paper test. So if uh, you've got to try and work out how much toilet roll the US would need to survive a year. So it's just the thought process behind how how, how that goes. Um, prior success doesn't need to be someone who's been in a sales role before. It could be anything, right? Um, but they need to demonstrate that, that, that price success. And finally, that work ethic and drive. Those are the five things that, that, that I've always tested for. And what that means is you don't need to get your first salesperson from like 
they don't even have to have done sales to be honest with you right? they don't need to have come from like some an oracle or a sales force and have like this rigid rinse repeat repeatable process and everything first salesperson uh we hired in this business a guy called ben smith and he'd been a professional ice skater before never done sales in his life and he's never missed target once right he'd never been in a sales role he can he can do a backflip on ice i think but he tested for all those criteria, and it was just so important to get that right i interviewed loads of people who had done sales but they just fell short on so many levels and that's that's the, the approach we took at the beginning so funny you say that alex there's actually i i look for a lot of the same stuff that you mentioned there's two additional stuff i look at one and you said it with your first sales guy competitiveness i always look for somebody i look to try and see if they've ever played a sport female male on their on their resume and the second thing i do look at is i, I completely agree with you on the you know they don't have to come from sales is I actually look to see if they've ever worked at a bank. And the reason why is banks actually train and they, they spend money on training for how you should be on the phone, email, cold calling, and et cetera. So when you find and get someone that actually worked at one of the banks or one of the larger banks, they've already spent years and years getting trained on how to be in sales that when they come to your organization, they already know how to do it. But I would definitely agree. I know our, you know, our, our number one CSM at the time uh, she played professional basketball in Serbia and uh, she was amazing. So uh, I love the coaching, the coachable and the curious. Um, and I, I've never actually heard of the toilet paper test. So I'm going to actually uh, try that the next time. Yeah, very cool, man. It works really well. Um, but you, I think you've got to tick all the boxes. As soon as you, you, you miss one, you'll really think, am I making a mistake here? Um, whereas if you tick all five for me and you, and you have, like, I'm obsessed with scorecards and I have for each, for each of those criteria, there's a minimum of four questions. They have to score a certain average. It's out of 20. Um, but just hold those, by the way. Mark Roberge, it's actually, if anyone hasn't read the sales acceleration formula and you're, and you're trying to get from zero to five, go and read it. It will help you so much. I just took it from there. Scorecards. And then what it allows you to do is keep all those scorecards, even in like a Google Doc. Yeah. And then once you've got like five reps, you can then compare those scorecards to how they've done spot the trends, tweak your scorecard a little bit, and then continue your hiring process. It's that hiring formula. It's uh, it's absolute gold. I can't claim it was mine. <laughs> so, you know, I, I know you mentioned, you know, about, you know, we talked about hiring the first person, the salesperson, and, you know, winning your first customer. So you were walking around the booth, you know, and I, and I know, for example, for us, you know, so you weren't sponsoring or you were just exhibiting, going to the booth and, and obviously selling yourself. But how was it and who was that first client you got? And then did you use that first client to try and get referrals or how did you start going from like one to 10, 10 to hundred, et cetera? Yeah, no, no referrals at the beginning. I, I wish I'd done that. I definitely would do that in the future. Look, you're one of our first customers. Anyone in your network you can refer us to? We missed the boat on that. We didn't start doing that to probably client number 50. Um, yeah, our first, like most people will get this horribly wrong. Like our first customer, we got the pricing wrong, onboarding yeah. bad. It was awful, but... I think they were so mesmerized by how much time we were spending with them. because so we're just watching them. Yeah, we're a SaaS platform. Yep. So we'd be like, what about this? And what would you use it for? And we would literally watch them use it. And they were just like, God, why do you guys care about this so much? We're like, because you're one of our early adopters. You know, we've got to get this right. So the thing about the first 10 is you've got to treat them like gold. Yeah, like You have to. We're, part of our, our platform is gifting. So we would just shower them in gifts and like just send them stuff all the time. So it's fairly easy from that perspective. 
but you've got to treat them like gold. And those are the ones that are going to teach you absolutely everything. You'll probably find they'll renew after year one as well, because they know how important they are to you. They're probably on some ridiculous package, but those are the ones you have to keep listening to. And I still talk to them today, all, all 10 of them. They're still with us. I still talk to them today. And they're kind of our trusted advisors. And I've just always leveled with them that just keep giving me the bad stuff. Give me the good stuff. That's great. But give me the bad stuff, please. Yeah. I need to know. Yeah. And it's so funny you mentioned that. So the, uh, you know, at articles, when I got the first 10 clients, it was similar. But I actually went to a conference and spoke with David Cancel from Drift. And I was asking about the freemium model versus should I charge my first clients $50 a month, $100 a month, or what should I charge? And he said, never charge zero. Don't give them for free. So he actually asked me, he told me, go to your first 10 clients, say, how, here's, a, here's how our software works. How much do you think it's worth? If they say, well, I can only afford two bucks a month. Sure, it's yours. Three bucks a month, take it. I, you know, I pay a dollar today, take it, five bucks. So the first 10 clients, we actually let them dictate our price. And some of them said, well, we would pay 30 bucks a month, 20 and whatever it was. And we didn't argue, we said, whatever you said, that's the number. And the reason why is by not giving them that freemium and having them have some sort of paying some, even if it was a dollar, they're you know, invested in you and your company and your success. And then you can go back, as you said, years later and still ask for advice. And as you know, from now you're looking, you're more looking for how can we continue to improve? Then you know, what are we doing right? So um, very interesting. It's great for the audience to learn because your first 10 clients are so important that you literally have to live and learn by what they tell you. Yeah, 100%. The first contract we signed was $600 annually. <laughs> I'd come from a, a role where I was doing like hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars contract. Yeah. And the first one we got was like 600 bucks. My co-founder Mills, he sent me a WhatsApp. I've still got it. And he was like, this is amazing. Like the first, first bit of money. And he'd been a founder of a business that was worth hundreds of millions before, by the way. Yeah, but you've got to celebrate the wins as well. Every oh, yeah. beginning, you celebrate those wins, you remember them. The second deal we did after that was ten thousand dollars. So we went from six hundred to ten thousand. We adjusted yeah. our pricing a bit. We're like, oh, here we go, rocket ship. And then it went badly again. And it was like, oh my god, <laughs> what's going on here? This is awful. The roller coaster. It's the roller coaster, <laughs> and then you just got to you just got to accept that. These are the fun bits. I miss those days. Yeah. So what happened? You said that everything was going amazing for a period and then it, it dipped a, l a little bit apart from maybe the platform itself obviously that continues to change and evolve but what do you put that down to was it your icp just the way that you were going after new business what kind of went right and what went wrong during that period yeah everyone starting a business will go through this i think uh not i hope i think um but you go through in, in sales you want to have like a repeatable process well, no, not like you do. You want to have a repeatable process. You want to know how much pipeline you've got, what your coverage is. When you're at the beginning and there are literally like a couple of you, you'll do loads of prospecting. They do loads of meetings. And so your pipeline will dip up and down and up and down. So we signed a few and then it was like, God, we haven't signed another customer for like six weeks. And we signed like five and then it happened. So it was about just evening things out. And that's that's the, the gamble you have to take at the beginning. Let's start hiring people. Let's start building a process. Let's start having it accelerate start taking on a little bit of investment to support that and that's where it starts to get a bit nerve-wracking because you become a, a proper business and then you go into that early stage and all you got to do from there is figure out how to scale it yeah and it's funny you said i, I always when i when it, you know when it, when it first started i speak to other founders like 
you're almost scared to take a vacation because you feel like if you take a week off of vacation, that's a week that you could be prospecting. You could be shining on your clients. So at the beginning, it was like, you're always by your phone. I, I, I remember this. I actually went to Hawaii and the time difference, it killed me. So like we were there for my, my wife's uh, presence club. And I was like, I had to wake up like two in the morning to be there for East, East Coast time when we're early on. Because like, you know, as a founder, you, even though you ha- might have money in the bank, you always want to just continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And it's so tough early on that you almost feel like, you know, if you take an hour off work, um, you're letting down your company. Yeah, 100%. And the, the tricky thing I had, by the way, and I went like a maniac at the beginning, was I was expecting my first kid. So my, my, my wife was pregnant. I think we properly launched the business in like May 2018. And my, he's now 15 months old. My son was due in like November. So I was like, I need to do as much work as I can before that happens. So I kind of had this date in mind. It was like, I need to, to, to solve all this stuff by then. But then he, he came along and I'm ashamed to say I was still signing deals in the hospital at the day after. There's it no never stopped. On that. Don't tell your wife that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she'll listen to this, but um, yeah, it happened. So you're going 100 miles an hour. There's a saying that I try my best to, Sort of live by but also keep in mind you know take it with a pinch of salt it's, it's that uh, completion is the enemy of perfection and it sort of works vice versa and, and we talked about that before we hit record here so you're trying to do all of these things and especially with your your wife's due date there like how did you manage to keep things going get enough stuff done but with the right level of you know um attention to detail and those kinds of things because perfect is it's difficult to scale isn't it so how did you do it yeah perfect's not difficult to scale perfect's just boring um for me you've got to invest in people like 90 percent of your problems in any company is is in hiring so get that right nice and early on and i see this not i've got some of my friends who are starting businesses now and i didn't know this a while back but one of the things we did do and i've got some really good mentors who told me to do this is like you need to get the right people in place you can't you're not a machine you've got to do it and and you can't coach them as much as you'd like to and you can't onboard them you just need to hire people you can rely on so i got people like this guy ben he was awesome and then scott joined and then we had another guy called ben and a guy called james and jenny and we had this really tight-knitted core team and the thing that i think worked was they all believed in the purpose they'd do anything for what we were trying to achieve getting that why why we exist why we're doing this nailed down early on gives people the the drive and actually the clarity as well to know what to do and to do it in a safe environment so things you've got to do is one make sure people know it's okay to fail not enough businesses do this they stand up and they're like it's okay to fail but actually when it happens you get reprimanded for it we actually almost encourage it hey you did something wrong well done for having a go what did we learn from that all right let's not do it again so create a safe environment where you can fail and everyone talks about this but the actual implementation of it very rarely happens because two people are scared of what the, the aftermath is going to be like. So you've got to reiterate it all the time. Just keep, keep breaking stuff, move fast, break stuff. And, and actually do that yourself and show them that you're doing it and saying, hey guys, I failed is what I've learned from it. And that's where you can encourage that culture. Um, so I think do that as early on as possible, but obviously don't, don't go overboard in it. Know whether the line is drawn. Like you can't do anything that's illegal or anything like that. But that's that's the first part is just create that safe environment, build a place of trust. It's so important where you know you're not 
Well, you can give people things and, and they can test stuff. People join startups because they want to build things. Like they don't want to be told what to do. And if anything, you should hire smart people who are going to tell you what to do. And those two things are key at the beginning. Yeah, yes, no, yeah, I completely, uh, you know, agree with everything you said. And some of the things I've learned in the past was early on, I would hire salespeople. And then what you find is if you don't spend time finding the right people, you might spend hours and days training them and money on training them for three months, and then they just leave. So you've, you've invested all this time up front for three months, and the person just leaves. So I always live by, and I know companies, you know, some CEOs hate when I say this, but I always live by the mode of, you, if you're going to fire quick, make sure, no, sorry, if you're going to hire quick, make sure you fire quicker. Um, because what you can do is you might hire somebody really early on, and they might not be the good fit. And you might think, oh, well, they're going to, you know, adjust to our culture. They're going to adjust to here. And you could be seven months down the road with the same person that hasn't made a sale. So I always say, spend the, the extra time up front to find the right person, because those are the people that are going to be for the long haul. You know, I can tell by, by what you're talking about, you know, you've built a culture where it doesn't look like many people leave your company because you guys are spending all that time up front, finding the right people for the right roles and kind of going with your why. Yeah, 100% agree. Get the why nailed down. You won't get it perfect at the beginning. Yeah. just try and articulate why are we doing this because that, that that higher purpose is what motivates people it'll actually it'll encourage you well not encourage you you'll find the right people that want to get on yeah. board with that and do it in the interview process if you get into an interview process and you're just trying to grill someone for their competencies you're going to find the wrong people for your early stage because there's a certain type of person that wants to get involved with your early stage business um but that doesn't really stop ever always articulate the why and like your vision and everything Alex, I've got a bit of a curveball for you. I've been thinking about this one. So can you tell us something that really surprised you in the growth of the company? So maybe uh, I'm sort of throwing it out there. Maybe you thought that um, maybe SEO would be worthless to you, but actually it turned out to be freaking great. And Sean and I have talked about this probably three or four times on episodes previous to recording this one already. So maybe it's that, or you thought that you had a bigger network than you did. Maybe you thought you had a small network and actually a load of people came out would work to help you out what surprised you along the way oh yes there are two things um that spring to mind one is i didn't realize this many people would want to help when you start a business you feel like you're isolated and you think i'm gonna have to do it all myself but next thing you know it people like you know we had one early stage customer who they almost went viral for us because they were just like again they felt our why and they just wanted to help and next thing you know there were like 10 meetings booked off the back of a customer that's didn't think that, that our customers would want to help us that much. So that was part of it. But because of our product, and this is the thing, I don't know why we didn't think about that, but because we, we send like direct mail and gifts, personalized things through your CRM, what we found was people would start posting everything on LinkedIn. So we'd send a customer, like, I don't know, a bottle of personalized wine with their face on it. And next thing that went on LinkedIn and it went viral. And people would be like, I just saw someone post something about you guys on LinkedIn. And we were like, really? okay so we checked LinkedIn. like oh my god people are posting about this and then so we were just like let's just let's do more of that but we'd actually have to do more of that because that's what we do so we didn't anticipate that at all and it, and it was kind of our, our core marketing channel so linkedin became like this sweet spot for us that we just dialed in on so i think for anyone starting a business there's always some niche that you didn't think about that is going to just always be a constant driver for you Perfect. Well, I want to, you know, I want to just wrap things up, um, but we have one last question for you, Alex. 
Where do you currently self-educate yourself? Do you listen to podcasts? If so, which one's your favorite? Do you read books? Um, and also then just let everyone know um, where they can uh, they can find you, where they can get a hold of you. Yeah, so so three things. Um, definitely podcasts. My, my favorite one at the moment is, other than this one, uh, Masters of Scale. So Masters of Scale, if you haven't listened to it, it's gold. You hear the brutal truth behind Airbnb and Facebook and those ones. It's so refreshing when you look at like all these massive, particularly Silicon Valley companies that you think they must have been perfect from the start. And actually, you hear the brutal truth behind all of it. It's gold. So podcasts, definitely. I read a ton. I probably read about five books a month. Um, I actually read too much to my own detriment. But what I do do is I write everything down. I have journals. I see some behind me here. I have, I've been doing it for years, so I can always go back to it. So every book I read, even if it's most of them are business books, but if it's just to be like consciousness or meditation, I write stuff down there as well. But more importantly, the best place to learn is just find mentors. Kind of going back to your, your, your question earlier, Ollie. And it ties into, I was surprised by how many people want to help. It's surprising when you go to someone and say, hey, look, I saw you were a CRO, because that's my role in the business now, right? I'm in charge of the revenue. So your CRO, an early stage company, you grew from zero to 20 mil. Would you give me an hour of your month, every month, just to like teach me stuff? And if you hit up enough people, there are enough people that want to help you. So I, I try and learn from the best. And I just prospect people saying, I'm a humble individual that needs to learn. Will you spend some time with me? Very rarely do they ask for anything in return. Perfect. And where can people uh, find you? Um, LinkedIn, just hit me up on LinkedIn. That's usually where I hang out, yeah. um, as, you, as I said earlier. But yeah, just search for Alex Ollie on LinkedIn and, and I'm there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Ali, for, uh, Alex, for joining us today. I mean, that was an absolute blast and you provided a wealth of knowledge to everyone that's listening here today. But I want to thank everyone for listening. And if you enjoyed the show today, don't forget to give us a five-star review when wherever you are in the world listening. Also, uh, subscribe so you don't miss the next show. See you soon. And thank you once again, Alex. That was amazing. Pleasure, guys.